Venerable Matt Talbot once said, the son of God by becoming man sanctified all the states and conditions of men. Jesus was not always preaching nor healing, but he always prayed and suffered. Welcome to the 71st episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want everyone suffering to remember that Christ is with you. He's closer than you could ever imagine. Let him be your hope. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, we don't really talk about sports on the podcast very often, but some cool news out of the NBA. They've taken this opportunity with the pandemic to update their league mental health policies, and I thought it might be worth sharing. The league website fills us in a little bit on exactly what that means. The NBA is urging teams to make increased commitments toward providing mental health resources to players and staff, releasing updated guidelines uh, Wednesday to reflect the challenging and the challenge of playing amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The league told teams they should establish education and awareness materials focused on managing mental health during times of uncertainty and coping strategies for addressing the emotional toll of the pandemic. The policy update includes making mental health professionals available to players on a voluntary basis, having a licensed psychiatrist available to assist players with any issues, having procedures in place to ensure confidentiality, and more recently, offering services that should be culturally competent and meet the standards of the diverse NBA community. I think this is really important for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, it makes getting help more normal and accepted, and it ensures access to help connect players to that help when they need it. Second, it provides a witness to everyone who's watching the NBA and hearing this news. It shows everyone that getting help is important, that mental health symptoms are nothing to be ashamed of, and that even when people's lives seem to be going well from the outside looking in, mental health symptoms don't discriminate and can come to anyone at any time in any life situation. I hope this bodes well for the mental health of the athletes and even for society in general. On to the next topic, one of the best-known British models of this generation, one whose career started almost 30 years ago, was a victim of suicide at the end of 2020. Stella Tennant was her name, and her life and death give us another reminder of just how seriously we have to take depression, anxiety, PTSD, grief, and bereavement, and how seriously we have to commit ourselves to ending the stigma surrounding mental health symptoms and treatment. Bizarre Magazine gives us some background. Her loved ones publicly paid tribute to the model for the first time since her death was announced in December, saying she was a beautiful soul whose creativity, intelligence, and humor touched so, so many. They confirmed that Tennant was unwell for some time and felt unable to go on. Investigators, investigations concluded that she took her own life after she was found dead at her home Saturday, the 22nd of December, days after her 50th birthday. Tennant worked for some of the biggest fashion houses in the world, from Chanel to Valentino, and was amused to fashion legends Karl Lagerfeld and Gianni Versace. My friends, I can't say this enough. We have to fight to end suicide. We can't stand by another day watching our suffering sisters and brothers hurting to the point of feeling so hopeless 
and so alone and like death is the only path of escape from their pain. We have to be willing to speak up and share our own stories, to be willing to let people know that they aren't alone in their suffering or their thoughts of suicide, to be willing to sit alongside those who are suffering and help be the ones that hold the hope for them and link them to the care they need because they can't be expected to find it themselves when they're feeling so awful. Let's all pray for Stella Tennant that her soul may be welcomed into God's presence, that her family may be consoled, and for an end to suicide in our world. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to Blessed Carlos Manuel Rodriguez Santiago. Born in 1918 in Puerto Rico, Carlos was the second of five brothers and sisters and was baptized at Sweet Name of Jesus Church. I just added that tidbit because I thought it was awesome. One of his sisters became a Carmelite and one of his brothers became a Benedictine monk and actually went on to become the first Puerto Rican abbot. When he was just seven years old, Carlos's family's home and business was destroyed in a fire, but the family came together through the tragedy. Carlos desired to become a priest after high school, but he was too ill from ulcerative colitis to be admitted to studies for the priesthood. According to Wikipedia, while Rodriguez was working as an office clerk in various towns of the region, he dedicated his resources to promoting a greater knowledge of the Catholic faith by promoting a greater understanding of the Catholic liturgy. Using articles on liturgical subjects, which he, he himself had translated and edited, he began publishing Liturgy and Christian Culture, publications to which he dedicated innumerable hours. Rodriguez organized discussion groups in the town and across the entire island and worked with Catholic social organizations to disseminate his ideas. He also taught catechism to high school students, whose study aids he supplied out of his own pocket. Carlos died of rectal cancer at the age of just 44, and I want to bring his life to all of our attention because he's another incredibly important example of someone who stuck to faith through suffering, someone who thought that he knew what God wanted him to do only to find God had other plans, and he still persevered to be the person that God created him to be. It's an inspiring reminder that we can become saints no matter what our position in life may be. Priests, sisters, married, single, adults, children, we can all become saints. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. O most holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you enlightened your humble servant, Blessed Carlos Manuel, to understand and live the Paschal Mystery, which is the source of our liturgical life and becomes manifest in the service of our neighbor, especially the humble and needy. Grant that Carlos Manuel's commitment to your church and the return of her people to eternal values based on a Christ-centered and paschal piety may lead to his prompt canonization. And if you so will, grant us through the intercession of your servant the grace we plead for, for peace to come into the hearts of everyone listening to this podcast on this very day. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy.
Josh gets us started. My wife has fought mild depression throughout her life, and I do my best to support her. But as we raise a couple of kids, questions come up over how to raise them and how melancholic episodes might impact them. Let's join in prayer together for Josh, his wife, and their children, that peace and consolation may be present in their family life. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The prayer is so nice, we prayed it twice. First off, I just want to say how great it is that you're thinking about your wife, your children, and how best to take care of your family through the ups and downs that depression can bring into our lives. It's really a great witness, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to appreciate your strength and love. It's beautiful. I have a couple of thoughts here. I, I think the best approach is to be open and honest with your children, age appropriate, of course, about depression and how it can impact us, but also how it doesn't change how much we love each other or our value or dignity. This is a great opportunity to teach your kids how to deal with these kind of symptoms when they pop up in their own lives, which will really help them in the future. In terms of navigating this with your wife, it's important to remember that depression is an illness that leads us to feel a certain way and perhaps engage in certain behaviors that we wouldn't do if we weren't feeling depressed. This is so important to remember because we want to make sure to ward off feelings of resentment or anger that might creep in. And one really good way to, keep, to do this is to keep the illness and your wife separate. If you feel like you'll, you're able to uh, know when your wife may be having a difficult time, perhaps you could let her know that you're happy to pick up the slack when she's feeling low and offer to give her a little break when you recognize it without any judgment, just giving her space to ride through that wave with the knowledge that you're there to keep the family moving while she rests. It might be a good idea to make a list together when she's feeling good of the things that are hard for her to do when she's feeling depressed or things that might help her when she's feeling low so that you're not shooting in the dark about how to help. Keep up the good work and be assured of my prayers. Kara is up next. I'm curious as to where the line is between mental health issues and sin. Like, I have body image issues, but where does that cross over to vanity and, and I need to confess? All right, everybody, join me in praying for Kara and for all of us trying to figure out this line that we may be freed from any guilt we experience associated with thoughts that come into our mind as a result of our mental health and that God may pour his grace and peace into our hearts. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. This is such an important question and one that all of us grapple with from time to time. So thank you so much for sending it in. Let me get straight to the point. Thoughts that come into our mind because of mental health experiences we might be going through are not sinful. And this is definitely true in the example you gave about experiencing body image issues and the worry about vanity. Typically, when we're experiencing intrusive negative thoughts about our body image, these thoughts pop up without our consent of our will. If we could choose to live without these thoughts coming into our mind, we most definitely would. Even when we start to engage in behaviors in response to these thoughts, it isn't because of vanity or wanting to appear attractive to others in a strict sense. It's more about an attempt to gain control and get a handle over our lives and our experiences. And we would all rather just have these thoughts leave us than be plagued with them and feel almost desperate to do anything to respond to them. So Kara and everyone listening, 
Please be at peace when it comes to your worries about intrusive thoughts in your mind sliding you into sin. Sadly, it's a human experience we all share and have to work on. And please know that if the thoughts you are experiencing end up impairing your ability to function, uh, in the case of body image, like engaging in behaviors that leave you undernourished or otherwise unable to take care of yourself or your responsibilities to yourself and others, please know that help is out there. A therapist can walk with you and, and help you get through it. It might also help to consider talking to a good priest outside of confession who you can trust to work through the issue of being concerned about sin. You know, one last little bit to add to my point here. I remember when I was growing up, my mother was an example of holiness to me, and I never heard her say a bad word, let alone take the Lord's name in vain. Well, one time I was in my room and I heard my mother shout out the big one, the GD, and it shocked me into getting up and running into her room to see what was going on. I walked in on her having a seizure and slowly slinking down to the floor. I want us to think of our thoughts caused by our mental health in terms of this action by my mother in the midst of a seizure. Would any of us say that my mother was committing a sin when she shouted this out as the first seizure of her life came on and took over her? Uh, I, I guess not, right? Why? Well, I would guess not. Most of us would understand that what happened was due to the seizure and the circumstances and not a deliberate act of her will. And we should be thinking the same way about the thoughts that come into our minds as a result of our mental health condition. It isn't a deliberate act of our will and under those circumstances doesn't cross the realm of into the realm of sin. God wants so desperately for you to experience his peace and just know that I'll be praying for you. Courtney wraps us up. How can you tell if a thought pattern is sinful or disordered? I feel like some of my lifelong thought patterns are sinful, but also feel like there's something disordered in my thinking that leads to them. To me, the road between mental health and God is so closely tied. I've struggled really uh, openly bringing it up in therapy, and I'm wondering if it would be best brought up in confession. I think our world today is also uh, very quick to normalize unhealthy or even sinful thinking. So let's join together one more time, this time for Courtney and all of us who struggle with thinkings, thinking that scares us, gives us anxiety, or makes us feel unlovable. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Thank you for this question. It's closely related to the question from Kara, so I hope it brings comfort to know that you aren't alone in grappling with this. It's also important to give yourself some credit for even taking the time to contemplate this. It shows that you care deeply about avoiding sin, working toward becoming the person God has created you to be, and just the fact that it's on your mind is a great sign that you're on the right track. Okay, last part of your question first. I think it's good to start by working through this in therapy. Open up to your therapist about your thoughts, about your concerns about the line between mental health and religious issues, and your concerns about thoughts becoming sinful, and really work through this. You should always feel free to bring up anything you're worried about in terms of sin while in confession, but I'm just thinking it might be best to work through this a bit before taking it to that step. It's so important for all of us to know that the thoughts that pop into our minds, the ones that plague us and cause us to wonder if we're different people than we think we are, 
These thoughts are not typically sins. They are thoughts that pop up without our consent, without the engagement of our will. And we would give anything for those thoughts not to come into our minds and disrupt the quiet of our hearts. I think it's important to remember that because thoughts often pop into our minds without our consent, we can't really place a moral judgment on them. It's really when we welcome and indulge in the thoughts and carry them forward with the consent of our will that we might enter into the territory of sin. But I'd say that's more rare than we imagine. And as I mentioned before, it might also be good to consider talking to a good priest outside of confession who you can trust to work through this issue together. I understand your concern that we very easily normalize unhealthy or even sinful thinking. And when it comes to our personal rationalization of immoral behaviors, I think you're on to something. But when it comes to our internal thoughts, the ones that we wish to be freed from but can't seem to find our way to that freedom, I think we're outside the bounds of sin and more inside the bounds of our mental and emotional well-being. The road between our mental health and our God is closely tied. You are absolutely right. And that's why your witness of being in therapy and at the same time being deeply rooted in your faith is so powerful. So keep up the good work. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.